0: I'm Scott Fitzpatrick, welcome to the GAF podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni, it's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. Good morning listeners, here we are with Vanessa Bennett from Next Evolution Performance, and we're going to talk all things coaching, all things leadership, neuroscience, neuroplasticity, a whole bunch of uh, concepts that I'm so I'm eager to get into, so welcome Vanessa, great to have you here today.
1: Thanks so much Scott, great to be here.
0: Now I understand you've got a background in financial services, although now you've landed up in coaching, Let give us that little bit of background
1: yes that's right so I actually spent many years in financial services like a lot um started when I was five and uh <laughs> and uh, I worked here at Macquarie for a long time and um and so a lot of time in funds management um I was head of sales at another global funds management business um on the financial advisor side so I've been working with advisors for many years and I, and I think at one point I was as qualified as you could be as a financial advisor without actually being a financial advisor um I also had a technical background when I was at Macquarie. So I used to do a lot of like superannuation legislation analysis and, um, presenter advisors on different super strategies and things like that. So, um, so I love advisors. I'm very pro financial advice. Um, I pay handsomely for my financial
0: advisor reassuringly <laughs> expensive we call it
1: like reassuringly it. expensive i know i had a i had one of my check-in meetings with my financial advisors yesterday just to remind me that they are reassuringly expensive so <laughs> uh so that all that all goes very well but i'm a big big believer in financial advice and the um and the services that advisors provide and um and so i moved into coaching uh about nine years ago now it was uh towards the end of the global financial crisis um, and a lot of these things I was kind of putting into practice um, and obviously since then there's been a lot more information that's come out around neuroscience and things like that so we just keep adding to our information and we just keep looking at the research and and monitoring all of this I finished my master's in psychology and neuroscience of mental health so uh, there's a lot of going on in this space and it's such a fascinating um, area and uh, and yeah that's why I'm doing what I do now I'm a big believer in helping people to um, achieve more um, and to make things easier people make things a lot harder than it needs to be and so if people can get more done in less time with less effort and especially with less burnout I've seen so many people get burnt out over the years um, that really could have been avoided with just a a few you know sort of tips and tricks here and there so um, and that's even more so than, than with everything going on right now that's you know getting even more of an issue.
0: So tell me about this thing neuroscience and neuroplasticity You know, the brain's ability to reorganise itself. How does that work?
1: Yeah, that's basically it. It's like the the brain's ability to change itself. The brain is actually malleable. It's kind of like a muscle. So it's not fixed. um, Research thought years ago that the brain was kind of fixed. You were born with a certain set of neurons, which are like brain cells. um, And you didn't really add to those over the years, let alone change them. Um, But uh, the process called neurogenesis, which is the production of new neurons, um, research has now shown that that continues well into your 80s is reassuring thank goodness Uh, and so there's a lot of things that we can do to promote that process of neurogenesis but also how we use our brain um, also impacts you know the shape of it which parts of the brain are getting used more than more than ever and I think one of my uh, one of my most favorite studies that um, that I've looked at to show neuroplasticity is a study of London taxi drivers and uh, as many people know they have to have a really great memory because they have to do the knowledge tests and they have to know literally all the ins and outs of, of London streets. And let's face it, they are not in a grid-like formation like New York, so <laughs> there's a bit more to it. So um, anyway, long story short, they put a whole bunch of these um, taxi drivers into MRI scanners, and it showed that the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain which is responsible for memory, was actually enlarged in, um, in taxi drivers. And then when they retired, the hippocampus resumed its normal size again, so it's just a beautiful example of how we change it. And so, that's to do with memory. Um, but now there's like uh, looking at a lot of this in terms of anxiety and depression, and the way people, the way people's brains are shaped if they um, if they've been you know highly anxious or uh had um uh, periods of depression during their during their life um their brain can be shaped differently you know different parts of the brain the the fear center will be enlarged in certain people um and the prefrontal cortex which is a part of the brain um that we use for executive function and our rational thinking and basically the part of the brain that we want to be in tip top condition um that can be smaller in people that have had mental health problems so it's yeah, it's a thing. So neuroplasticity is great; we love it. But um, if you don't know how to use it, and you don't know how to actively control it, it's not a good thing.
0: So good, good to know, right? Well, it's funny. <laughs> I'm still giggling about the London taxi drive. I'm thinking I'm going to have to get rid of my Maps app and go back to my refadex That was <laughs> a, a bit of a brain tease for me, uh, trying to drive along at night looking through a refadex Now, listen, let's let's relate this to coaching then. And I I want to start off with a a preference of, you know, uh, I've always had coaches in the business. I'm a believer in coaching. And I remember, you know, listening to a business coach speech one uh, way back and I went, wow, here I am trying to figure this all out myself and I've got no one to talk to about it. And even if it's just a sounding board or as someone to make sense of this for me there's value in paying those fees for coaching. And, uh, it, for, so and you know, I always use the Tiger Woods as an example. Now, maybe it was a bad example uh, over a period of time, but, <laughs> well, the best golfer in the world had a coach. And I went, here I am thinking I want to build, a, you, know, you know, a national business, and I really need, you know, someone to come in. So my start point is I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for the coaches that I've had in my life. So... Help me with your business now. Help me understand how you come in and coach businesses, leadership skills, and how do we bring this neuroscience into play?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And and I too am a very big believer in having coaches. Um, I'm also a part-time fitness instructor and yet I still pay... Again, handsomely for my personal trainer to train me so that I don't have to think about doing my things. Um, and so, there's a big aspect to that. Um, we've just hired a business coach as well that focuses on um, consultants at, at businesses at our level. Um, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in coaching, and I think um, from what we do, uh, the way that we're a bit different to say a classic business coach. A, a business coach is often looking at uh, your value proposition, your um, ideal clients, your systems, your processes, all of these kind of things. Um, we focus purely on the humans. That's it. So think about getting more productivity and efficiency from the humans in the business. And let's face it, there's so many issues around, um, you know, leading staff and and leadership is, you know, that can be a full time job. And and if it's not your full time job. Um, there are some really great things that you can do to make it a lot easier and a lot less time consuming so that you can still exhibit great leadership um, and have a lot more direction in your leadership. Um, When you do that, you know, your staff need leadership, but it doesn't matter how many staff you have and if you've just got contractors that work for you. Um, people need leadership. And so it's how you do that as effectively as possible that is a really important thing to do. Um, it's also really important that we understand more about productivity. You know, now that we know a lot more around neuroscience, neuroplasticity, cognitive energy, mental energy is a really big focus that we have. You know, if you, it's not so much that you want to maximise your time, it's the fact that you want to maximize your cognitive energy. People who maximize their cognitive energy will have potentially up to two hours more effective time in their day than other people will.
0: I'm going to suggest that. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask, how do we do that? And I find um, if I physically exercise in the morning, I have a lot more mental energy, probably up till lunchtime. Then I'll have a little bit of food, feel yeah. like an afternoon nap.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so everyone's built differently, right? So there's there's no one size fits all approach around um, how to maximize your cognitive energy. But the good thing is, it's like we've got some really easy to implement tools to help you to kind of work out what is best for you. So for me personally, I'm quite productive sort of like mid morning. I'm not an early morning person. I'm more than happy to start work at seven thirty, but I'm not you know, curing cancer at 7.30 in the morning. So it's more about um, doing really light work that I can, um, you know, really use my cognitive energy as I have it throughout the day. So mid-morning's great, my afternoon's probably my prime time and therefore I choose to exercise generally at lunch times wherever I can. It's not always possible, but um, but I choose to exercise at lunch because then that turbocharges my brain so that I can, really be even like more productive in the afternoon so give me two hours in the afternoon and and you know i can really get through some really great things and especially if i've got clients and one-to-one coaching and things like that then i want to be really absolutely switched on
0: super present gotcha so that was that was my piece around there must be times during the day when you do need your cognitive energy right ready to go uh, first lower level activities and it's the management of that rather than the management of time (laughs)
1: Thank <laughs> you correct and the trick is we only have neuroscience tells us we only have four hours a day on average we can train Mm -hmm. it to six let's be you know let's run the Mm -hmm. side of caution um uh work with about four hours of power which is what we call them so Mm -hmm. four hours where you've got access to your heavy cognitive energy during the day so don't be doing light things when you need the cognitive energy uh, or when you have it um and because otherwise you know when you need it you won't have it anymore so it's helping to people to maximize with that and you know even if you only have a few staff you know so many times i see advisors just go we're so busy we're so busy we need more staff and it's like no you don't stop spending money on even more inefficient stuff you, know, you need staff to come to work with as many um, what we call energy credits as possible and then know how to maximize them and spend them wisely if you get that bit right you know if you've got four people who all of a sudden get an extra two hours a day um, of effective time that's like hiring an extra person for free so wow. I'm hiring more staff
0: <laughs> I love that and mm. how do you coach that then
1: yeah, so we, um, we do a mix between workshops and one-to-one coaching. It depends on the size of the business
0: yeah.
1: um, as to how we deliver. But the most important thing is, is we make sure that we get the message across in terms of being able to understand the neuroscience first as to how the brain works, but otherwise people, you know, they're not going to implement if they don't really know why they're doing it. So we get a little bit of the science across so that they've got a background, but then we give them some really easy to implement tools that they can apply for themselves and everyone will apply them differently and that's why it works. So when you can help people and coach people to learn how to apply it for themselves, um, that's when the magic happens.
0: Now, I appreciate the irony of my next question, but how do we deal with Zoom burnout? Given we're on oh. a small. And how do we how does lead how do we do leadership when we're we're disconnected? We're not sitting in the office next to people.
1: Yeah, that's such a loaded question. We've actually started running masterclasses specifically on that issue. Um, and, and and the reason is, is because it's such a minefield. But again, neuroscience helps us. So there's a few things to be um, why we're getting so fatigued. And a lot of that is to do with when we're sitting on Zoom, um, a couple of issues. Firstly, the brain hates ambiguity. So if we're sitting in a room, we all know what's happening in that room. And so that brain isn't trying to make sense of that at the same time as we're talking about the task at hand. Um, When we're sitting in a virtual room, we now have the issue of, like, we could be sitting in 10 virtual rooms um, if you've got a team of 10 people. And, um, And you're not only trying to focus on the task at hand, but you've got this mental chatter happening in the background of, like, why did that person just turn their camera off? Why won't that person switch their camera on? Why did that person look that way? Why did they leave the room? So it's like, you've got all of this cognitive energy being used at the same time as the task at hand. So we do a lot of work with people to help reduce the ambiguity and to basically set some ground rules up as well in terms of like, um, you know, what's your high performance culture going to be in a hybrid environment? What are the rules of engagement? Mm. You know, if you're sitting on a Zoom call and you're working from home, and everyone else is in the office, well, is it appropriate to go and answer the door to let a package in? You know, is that a rule of engagement that is appropriate for everyone? We need to explicitly state what are our rules of engagement going to be. And, again, that's a coaching space because that's, again, not for us to say, you know, this is the one-size-fits-all hybrid working arrangement. Um, But we coach people to work out what works for the individuals and then what works for the team so that we can be really explicit about what are the rules of engagement, what's the high performance culture in a hybrid environment, and how do we maximize that? And another issue is this concept called continuous partial attention, um, which kind of leads to this digital presenteeism where people are like, oh, it's so easy that I've got like eight screens here and I can like have all these notifications coming in at the same time as I'm pretending to be in a meeting online um, oh and look my phone just beeped, so maybe I'll just check that text message while I'm here at the same time and so again you've got like this diluted um, productivity because instead of focusing on one thing you're now trying to focus on three things and interestingly enough this continuous partial attention is, con- is consistently reducing our cognitive energy It is consistently reducing our productivity. And now also there's evidence to show that it is also changing our breathing and our health patterns. So some people are almost forgetting to breathe for 30 seconds while they've got all this stuff going on at the same time. And it's mirroring the same effects of sleep apnea. So can you imagine putting yourself self-inflicted daily into the same effects of sleep apnea?
0: Wow. Wow. Feeling a little bit guilty because I did do a conference call sitting in, the, sitting on my jet ski in the middle of the river fishing the other day. <laughs> that's okay
1: because you, you know if you're not trying to do like you know really smart things all at the same time, that's fine. If you want to like sit and eat your lunch or sit and fish, that's okay. That's totally fine. That's no problems with that. I'll give you that one. <laughs> no, thank
0: you. So, so let's look at this um, industry turning into a profession in the advisory space, and. You know you know the industry there's some big decisions for people to make and there's some leadership required and I see uh, I see people going yep I'm up for it here we go I'm, I'm changing the business model um, I'm heading in this direction I'm gonna you know try and work with better clients move up to scale etc but there's still a whole bunch of people sitting there I call them laggards and, and I'm not <laughs> blaming them. I'm just asking you the question what what, what where is, not leadership so much, but indecisional mindset kick in here?
1: Yes. Uh, again, a loaded question. Um, a humans are generally far better at planning than they are at executing.
0: Ah, perfect.
1: So that's that's generally where it comes from. So I think, you know, and, and it comes back to that question of, you know, why do you need a coach? Coaches help you execute. Coaches hold you accountable. But co- coaches also, like, we don't need more information that's out there. We need less We actually need someone to help make sense of that information that's out there and help us to work out which bits are relevant for us. What's relevant for our business? What's what's relevant for our teams? So I cannot recommend highly enough, you know, people getting a business coach in this area to help them with what's your business model? How do you structure this? What are your systems? Um, and all of that kind of thing. And then what happens is, um, you know, it's also useful getting a coach of um, someone in our space because there's a few issues that stop people. There's firstly a lot of mindset People have to charge higher fees because with all the compliance regimes these days, people can't afford to, um, to to charge really low fees for advice. So a lot of what's holding people back is self-sabotaging. Am I worth these fees? You know, what's the mindset around having a fee well, increase? Yeah, self-worth, it all comes down to that. So it's like we need to work out the mindset of that. We need to work out, you know, quite often the reason that people don't implement, even when they get business coaching, can be because they, they're they exhausted, you know, their team's exhausted, change fatigue, all of these kind of things. You know, and advisors were in this space where it's like they had all of this compliance regime having to be changed. There was a royal commission and it was awful and people were exhausted. And then a pandemic came along right after. Um, And so while people were still trying to implement all of this and it's all been going on at the same time. So, um, you know, the coaches will help you execute. That's where it comes down to. You don't need more information. There's so much information out there. You need people to help you to make sense of it and then apply it to you get inside your head why are you not executing versus someone else could be have a very different reason um and so generally speaking there's some mindset in there that would generally hold them back as well
0: yeah the, the, you before we started though you said coaches make sense of the noise and there is so much noise out there but i'm always amazed that you know i, I call it um so, you know around self-sabotage that good people do dumb stuff Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, you become, you, you might be good at business, but then you become an accidental leader.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. Most advisors have been really great advisors and they started advising because they loved advising and they didn't start advising because they were like, I really want to do leadership. They started advising and then they got really good at advising and they loved it and their clients loved them and therefore they needed more people. And next thing you know, they required to do some leadership as well. And they haven't necessarily been taught that. And leadership's hard. Like there's people who say, oh, leadership, that person has leadership skills or that person doesn't. Um, You know, leadership is a learned skill. And the more we learn about neuroscience, the more that we can learn how to do it better. I think there are very few people that have natural leadership skills, very, very few. Um, and even the ones who have a, a good base to start with, you know, they can be better with some additional neuroscience. Um, and I, I always, you know, find it interesting when I'll, I'll you know, be speaking with someone and I'll say, oh, that person doesn't have leadership skills. I'm like, well, did you coach them? Because if you didn't coach them how to have leadership skills or get them a coach, then that's your bad leadership skills, not theirs.
0: Yeah, look in the mirror. <laughs> look in the mirror, the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> where would they have got those skills from? So, yeah. So that's really interesting point because how do you do leadership training?
1: Mm, that's right. You know, there's so many different ways out there that you can do it. But, um, you know, I think it's really important to definitely have something that's based on neuroscience. So there's a lot more of this coming out, which how neuroscience intersects with psychology is really important. So, you know, there, there are... Plenty of leadership courses out there. Again, it's the noise. You know, which ones do you want to go to, and what's appropriate for you? So there are courses, but then often it's just easier because it depends on your situation. Um, What's the size of your team? What team do you have already? Are you looking to grow? So all of these things. There's so much noise out there, even around leadership. So having a coach to actually help you to distill that that noise and to work out what is it that I need for my business to be successful. Um, You know, some people might go, you know what, you want to structure your business so that you don't have to lead at all, in which case you need a practice manager or something like that who does have good leadership skills. Some people bring on practice managers who um, who for the most part, they're really great at you know systems and processes, but they're not good at having difficult conversations and holding people to account when they're not delivering on things that should be delivered. Um, and so we're seeing big issues with accountability. We're seeing big issues with psychological safety. It's really interesting when I run some of these workshops with advisors, um, one of my favorite things to do is to start the workshop by going, okay, let's get out all the things on the table that drive you bonkers about managing staff. I said, you yeah, can awesome. just I'm let it... Yep. let it rip exactly yep. bring it all out there let it rip and it takes us about 10 minutes to fill two whiteboards it doesn't take long at all um but you know what everything of every single one of those issues you know my my staff don't deliver on time there's always an excuse why they haven't got things done there's bottlenecks in workflow um you know people unaccountable i've got one negative person in the team um, who's having an effect on other people um, all of these things that are coming up you know my team aren't as efficient as they could be um you know i'm having trouble managing them in a hybrid environment and it could just get worse in a hybrid environment and so all of these issues that come out on the table really could have been fixed with great frameworks that are actually very easy to implement very easy to implement but we need specific frameworks that are relevant for advisors and don't give them anything they don't need and make sure they have really good frameworks up front to help them to firstly hire the right staff, train the right staff in the right way, and keep them. Um, And some tips and tricks to watch out for. At the moment, we're seeing a lot of advisors hiring people who are tired and exhausted. And I've had seen awful situations where, you know, someone hires someone, they've had to probably pay a premium for them. And then next thing you know, six to eight weeks later, they're making silly mistakes, they're exhausted, they're taking time off, and they're diagnosed with burnout or some form of mental health problem, and they have to leave the business. Or take six months off, and like that is incredibly costly to an advisor's business to have to even hire staff in the first place. Yeah. Turnover is not good, but to have to hire staff and then go through all of that, and eight weeks later, you know, you're, you're back where you, you're back where you were beforehand, and a and a big hole burnt in your wallet. Um, that's awful. So it, it's really, you know, having these things in place that will save you hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not into the seven figures.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I love that because we're in a relationship business. Where, you know, our model is all around low client numbers, high relationships uh, versus having thousands and thousands of clients. But, and, and, and for us, when we're talking to advisors or, you know, other professionals, it all starts with purpose. You know, what are we doing this for? And, uh, yeah. and I noticed some of that, some of your language talks about purpose, energy and relationship.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's a really big thing for people to realize, you know, having, I've seen a lot of advisors recently who have kind of lost sight of, they've lost the joy for their business. They've lost lost the joy for advising. It's kind of like, just let's go back to why are we in business in the first place? Why do we do what we do? And for some people, it is the right choice to leave. Like, that's okay. Yep. Um, it's about making, you know, why do you do what you do? Um, I, I do what I do because I'm a big believer that people can be, you know, achieve way more and feel far more successful and not get burnt out in the process. Like, if I could, you know, contribute to a world without burnout, I would be happy with that. You know, that's why I do what I do. That's and that's I think that, you a bit. Yeah, that's right. And I think with advisors, you know, so many of them, it's like they love coming up with strategies um, that help clients to be financially free. It's not so much the, I really love super, I really love investments or I really love insurance or blah, blah, blah. It's like, what does it mean to the client? you know what it what does what does money mean and so people want financial freedom people want the reassurance that they don't have to worry about money they want the reassurance that their kids will be looked after if anything happens you know so it's like this is incredibly important things you know we've, we as we said i pay very handsomely for financial advice mm-hmm. and i hate feeling informed i i i don't want to worry about you know how something's going to be funded whatever i just want all of that kind of you know to be taken care of in the background and know that we've got the strategy all in place Um, and so it's that level of freedom that then frees me up to be able to do what i love i'm happy to pay handsomely for that and so for me like if i got my values chain what's important about money to me it's it's freedom it is freedom and so advisors need to remember that that's that's a very big part of what they're doing for clients and never lose sight of the importance of that
0: and I think that's a really great piece for us to start to wind up is this concept of if you reconnect with your purpose, it's going to give you a whole lot more energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's going to improve Absolutely. the quality of your working life. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. I saw some research on that, that if you can find even 20% of your day, and this is what you should be when you're managing staff as well, if you can find even 20% of your day to work on something that brings you joy and meaning, then you are at far less risk of burnout. And it doesn't matter whether it's 20, 30, 40%, but it does matter if it's 19, 18, 17, 16, et cetera. It's like, you've got to get to that 20% of joy and and meaning and purpose in what you do during the day. And the same with your staff. If they're not finding 20% of joy and purpose and meaning in what they do, you need different staff. So that's that's a really big factor in avoiding burnout.
0: Okay, so give me a couple of tips now for a couple of, for advisors. Mm, all that living yeah. now. Let's just summarize this. So help me help me through this. Number one, reconnect with purpose. What else? We've gone yeah, up
1: absolutely. So reconnect with purpose, manage energy, and not just manage it, master it. Okay, yeah. understand. Oh, your time. I yeah. love
0: that. I love that. Difference. Yeah,
1: definitely. So make sure that you're tapping into managing energy, not time, and know the importance of leadership mindset. And mental health for you and everyone in your business. Mental health is um, a super important factor in um, in not just people enjoying turning up to work, but um, but increasing the profitability of your business. Isn't so,
0: that, um, sorry, just to cut you. Off, isn't yeah. that funny? I just had yeah. that light bulb moment around. I've always thought mental health was you've got something wrong with you.
1: Yeah, I know, and not, that's the thing, you know,
0: not so. Yeah. That is a super positive that I need to work on more.
1: That's right. And it's really funny, isn't it? People go, oh, we're going to talk about mental health, we're going to talk about depression. Hmm. Stop. That is not what mental health is. That is mental ill health or a mental disorder. Um, What we want is full mental health. Mental health feels great. Mental health doesn't mean we're deluded and positive all the time. It just means that um, we can cope with the normal stresses of life. We can contribute productively and fruitfully to our community. Um, And so this is where we want to get to. So we need to stop the conversation of mental health being, oh, we're going to wait till we've got mental ill health before we have a conversation mm. prevention is way better than cure we need to talk about mental health being something just like physical health right? don't wait until you're sick yeah. until you start doing yeah. something good for your health um we want to do this mentally so we talk about mental fitness so we really want to help people to focus on mental fitness mindset success mindset and this is across both work and life and if we get that Good times, and it just makes so much great sense for business. So, we want the conversation to be around mental health, but the right definition of mental health. That's
0: perfect. (laughs) Well, Vanessa, that was fantastic. I I, I really love that. I'm I'm so happy I got that light bulb moment as well. (laughs) Uh, It took us to the end for me to get it, but no, there was some gold along the way there. Where do we find you? How can people contact you?
1: Absolutely. So our our website is Next Evolution Performance. And we're super easy to find under there. Just go to the meet the team section um, and uh, and go to our insights section. Our insights is our weekly blog that you can sign up for. And we just give lots of great tips and tricks every week. And they're generally based on client conversations, any aha moments um, that people have had, any light bulb moments, um, anything, a tool that's worked really well for people. um, A lot of that stuff we put out there on a regular basis. And I'm very easy to stalk on LinkedIn as well. Vanessa Bennett uh, on LinkedIn, I love it when people do that. Again, I pump out like just heaps of content um, on a weekly basis on LinkedIn and that's all free. So if that's something that resonates with you, um, we'd love to have you part of our family.
0: That's great. And, you know, just to acknowledge you, you're doing some really great work out there. Thank so, you yeah. so much, Scott. appreciate it. Well done, that. I wish you all the success. Thanks so much, though. Let's leave it at that and go in love.
1: Thanks so much, Scott.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Gap Podcast. We're all about empowering advisors, giving them additional tools for their toolkit to give great advice. Great advice leads to great business frameworks, which leads to great results for the community.